Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey there, you're listening to episode 194 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today in this episode, we're going to answer some of the questions that you guys have submitted. But before, I wanted to invite you to take our lover quiz if you haven't already taken it. In this quiz, we're going to help you to identify what are some of the areas of success for you and what are some of the areas that you might need some help. So I think it will be very beneficial if you give this quiz a chance. It takes about five to six minutes. And I created it based on some of the newer finding on area of sexuality. So here is our first question. So this is the first question I got from a cisgender female. She wrote, I just wanted to say thank you for your podcast. It has been very informative and incredibly valuable. So thank you for what you do. Second is my question. I was abused when I was 10, 11 by an older boy, and now I'm a lesbian. But one of the things that tend to happen is that I will go out and I will sleep with men, and I always have a bad experience. And I kind of know how I'm going to feel afterwards. And my therapist says that she feels I'm engaging in these behaviors because I'm essentially re-traumatizing myself. Why this is a behavior that trauma survivors are engaged in? And secondly, what are some of the steps to get over and not repeat these behaviors anymore? Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for trusting us and sending your question. I am so sorry that you experienced that sexual abuse. Unfortunately, as many of our listeners know, these are common experiences that people have. I'm so glad to hear that you are in therapy. As I was hearing your story, few things came to my mind. First thing was the recommendation that your therapist uh, made around trauma reenactment. It's quite possible that what you're experiencing is a form of reenactment. Unfortunately, at times, people actively reenact their past trauma as a way to master them. There are different theories that talks about and explains why trauma survivors reenact their past. Freud was thinking that it's part of repetition compulsion and the aim of repetition is to gain mastery. But what we know that when people reenact this experiences, oftentimes mastery is the last thing that, that one can expect. It's my experience that instead many of my clients experience suffering and pain because of these more current reenactment that they're doing. Some other theories that they were talking about how this in enactment is a form of helping you unconsciously to assimilate, integrate, and heal from the traumatic experience. 
that's why that many individuals who had a perhaps like abusive person in their life, especially during childhood, when we're vulnerable, then we are seeking similar kind of people. I know sometimes people say so-and-so has a father issue. And if they were, for example, with someone, the father was emotionally abusive, they might end up being in a relationship with a person, with a man or a woman that's emotionally withholding as a way to unconsciously change the situation because their brain tells them that, you know, if I can change the situation successfully, then I will feel less blame and I feel less broken. But as we know, when reenactment occurs, uh, people feel that, okay, here's here comes another time that I experience the same thing and they feel horrible horrible emotions. So that's that's one thing that came to my mind. As far as the kind of what you can do is therapy is definitely an important part of this journey. Again, I'm so happy that you are seeking therapy. I would be curious to see what kind of a therapy you're receiving. It's my experience. And when people are doing mostly or only cognitively based therapy, their recovery might take longer or there are aspects of trauma that can never work through it, through that mod- modality. And I love CBT, I love trauma work, but it's my experience that part of the experience of trauma remains in your body. And it's important to do a combination of kind of body, some kind of body work, somatic therapy, and also confronting the past. So one thing that you can do if your therapists are cognitively based, you can do kind of form of body work that can be healing. For example, it could be form of yoga that you can do that helps you to process the trauma in your body. Many people go to somatic therapy. The other form would be kind of getting different kind of body work done on you. So these are a few things that you can do through therapy to address this issue. The other piece, what I find it's very, very useful for addressing this challenge challenge is forming meaningful connection with others. Many of my clients, often they go to survivors group therapy, different form of group therapy, and going through these groups can help them to form strong connections. And we know that trauma is a challenge of disconnection, is a disorder of disconnection. So the more you're cultivating these connections, the better the chance of your recovery. Also, the thing that you can do immediately to address this, I know that these are more of a longer term approaches are that first of all, kind of thinking about when it comes to kind of addressing this challenge in a more immediate way, my invitation for you is to kind of think about four or five last times that you you experienced that kind of unpleasant experience that you had with men. Where did you meet them? What was the, were you uh, using any substances? Because I know many of my clients in order to be able to 
to go through this experience is at times they drink a lot or they smoke a lot or they take other form of medication. So my invitation to you is to kind of thinking about uh, making this commitment to not engage in this behavior. And in order to protect myself, when I'm going to these bars, when I'm going to these places, I'm not going to drink at all or I'm not going to smoke pot. Whatever that you have been doing to help you get through this experiences. The other piece of it is that kind of perhaps if you're still interested in exploring opposite sex experiences is to kind of doing it at a different setting. Perhaps if you kind of like pick up men from uh, bars, then then you can kind of go on a date, like set up a dating profile, go on couple dates that that will kind of help you to have a different experiences. Because there are cases of enactment that helps people to get mastery around their experiences. So, for example, some of my clients they have uh, experience of child abuse, and the way that they worked through it and worked through it was through kind of like doing power play and BDSM. So they've been going to dungeons, they they kind of like doing these consensual play acts and that helps them and help them to get through process some of those traumatic experiences because now they are in the situation that they were no longer helpless. So I would be kind of curious if you choose to kind of still go and go through these experiences and what can we do to empower you while you're pursuing this? What would be a version 2.0 of less harmful way of doing it if you feel like you're not ready to give up on the behavior completely? The other school of thought, thought that I had, which is different than the first kind of hypothesis that we talked about, is that have you ever considered yourself being bisexual? And the only reason I'm saying this is that many of my lesbian clients shared with me that in the past they did what they did. They identify back then as lesbians and they felt kind of like pressured to be in this specific box. I'm either straight or I'm lesbian, but they had attraction to opposite sex as well. So that kind of like doing this one night stands, going out with with men in these ways that wasn't empowering to them, helped them to kind of explore their bisexual side. So I would be curious to see if there's an element of that for you. Again, if you feel this is truly trauma enactment, you don't have sexual attraction to men, then by all means, proceed with the first hypothesis. So please uh, try these uh, suggestions. If you feel like, you know, you continue to be in a hyper arousal state, then one other possible immediate thing that you can do is start taking medication. Sometimes psychiatric medication short term will help you to be able to not act on those urges and work through your emotions and memories doing therapy, it doesn't mean that you need to take the medication for the rest of your life, but it can give you the support you need right now. Please try these different uh, strategies. Let us know where you are in your journey of recovery and keep us posted. 
The second question that I have is from a listener. She emailed it to us. So here, here is the email. I have some question I'd like to ask about my sex life. I've been dating someone for about seven months now, and we met in South Korea, where we currently reside. However, our sex life hasn't been great lately. He was good in the beginning, but things have changed, and he doesn't know why. He ejaculates within 30 minutes compared to two hours. He only eats me out upon request, and lately he's just pushing instead of stroking. He said it's probably due to lack of protein intake since he's trying to get back to his original buff body. He's little overweight with a bad butt. So he's been eating mostly fruits and veggies throughout that week. I don't want a good sex life. I want an amazing sex life. What would you recommend for us to improve our sex life? Please get back to me when you can. Much love from a colored woman living in South Korea. Peace. Well, thank you so much for sending us your question. I have different things that came to my mind. First thing is I want to live in South Korea <laughs> because I've been obsessed with Korean drama recently. But beside that, the first thing that I want you to kind of think about is like how can you communicate your preference to him? I felt a little bit of resentment than when you said like he's only giving you oral sex when you request it. Well, our partners are not mind readers. So I want you to kind of like talk about your preferences outside the bedroom. Maybe you guys can do what many of my clients do, kind of having this naked happy hours when you talk about your sexual experiences, what you want more of. And then I would start with kind of the conversation with a compliment. Perhaps you can say specifically what he was doing early on that was amazing and what would you want him to do more of after that so it's it's not useful to say you know it, it was great then and it's no longer great because this is kind of a vague feedback i want to say you know honey i love it when you were giving me oral sex when you were doing this with your mouth was fantastic so giving him lots of praise and specific praise and also a specific feedback on what you want more of well when you say like he ejaculates within 30 minutes He's actually is outside the kind of like a standard deviation, at least a couple of standard deviation above the general population. So it's but it seems like you feel you have a reaction to the changes duration of the kind of ejaculation that he has. So I would be kind of curious for for yourself, for you to think about what was the meaning of him ejaculating, like having this ejaculatory control before? Was it that like you felt that like the playtime was more? Was it about that you felt that he was presenting more masculine? So I want you to think about what do you want, what do I want more of that I'm not getting? Because, you know, that if I wonder that even back then there he was getting any taking any sexual enhancement supplement and medication that many of my male clients early on in the relationship they take in order to code and code prove their masculinity but my invitation for you is to kind of think about what is the underlying desire and need for you 
And how can you still get that from this partner? For example, if the idea is I want to have, I want to be able to have longer playtime, then we can talk, you can talk about like you early on being a more of a focus of attention and play. You guys can incorporate sex toys in the bedroom. It will add to novelty and also will lead to longer sexual play. Or if it's about you, how you perceive your sexiness, then then we can talk about how we can change that narrative for you. Well, I'm glad to hear that he's he's been taking care of himself. As someone who has a, a training in treatments of eating disorder, I hope it's not excessive with the diet. But if his energy level is different because he changed his diet, perhaps then one practical solution would be kind of talking to him about then when would be a good time for us to have sex? Maybe before it was during evening because, you know, we had more freedom. But now if you're feeling less energetic, maybe mornings are the better time to do sex play. So it might require more of a problem solving around kind of like timing of it. But the most important thing I want you to do is to have a conversation with him. Choose a time outside the bedroom that you guys have will discuss about all of these desires that you have and things that you want to be differently and kind of like start incorporating that. Well, here is our third question. Hello, I have the following problem. For a while now, I noticed that I have trouble sleeping if I masturbate or I have sex two days in a row. Is there a correlation between falling asleep and the amount of ejaculation? Very interesting question. So many, many people that I know, they masturbate in order to fall asleep. There was this interesting survey that they found that many people in Generation Z and Millennial are more likely to report that they're dependent upon masturbation in order to fall asleep. And if they're not able to masturbate, they cannot fall asleep. So usually we hear opposite of what you're saying. But one thing that came to my mind is that when we ejaculate, there there is a rush of various neurochemicals that will kind of like secrete it to our blood. We get oxygen and vasopressin and it helps us to fall kind of associated with sleep and helps us to fall asleep. I wonder that maybe for some reason your body may not tolerate them and that those cause sexual disruption. I would definitely consult with a sleep medicine physician. Well, looking at it from a psychological angle, I wonder that if you have any history of sexual related trauma. So sometimes my clients, when they do masturbation, they have the sexual trauma or when they have sex, it brings back flashback from from the past trauma. And having these flashbacks, it put us in this fight and flight mode and it will be tough to fall asleep. The other possibility here is that you might experience some conscious or unconscious guilt. I know that many of us learn that 
masturbation or sex is dirty. It's not something that needs to be focused of our attention. Shallow people only think about sex. So if if you have those messages and when you are engaging in whether masturbation or sex, what you consider it been more quote unquote excessive, which obviously this is not excessive, but it feels excessive, then you might feel the guilt and that can keep you up. So something to some these are a few things that came to my mind. It was interesting that as I was doing research for this question, because this was such an interesting question, I, I came across the another study that talked about that the correlation between couples when they spend time together after sex, it will increase their bonding and promises of long-term commitment. The study talked about how our attachment is connected to our post-coital behaviors and also talked about that men who tend to sleep with their partner in the bed after sex have the more likelihood of being in a relationship, long-term committed relationship with the partners and they're more desirable. It was fascinating study. So if you are looking for a long-term partner, definitely make sure you are staying after sex. And I was talking about the value of saying I love you before sex or after sex. They were talking about it drastically strengthened the bond based on the research study when the person expressed their affection after sex. So if you want a relationship to last, definitely stick around after intercourse and make sure that you're expressing your feeling to them afterwards. Here's our last question. Hi, I'm curious. I have a question for the doctor. So I hear people talk about white Caucasian sex, missionary sex. I'm curious what the difference is between different cultures um, when they're talking about, you know, vanilla or white Caucasian sex and missionary sex. I obviously understand that, but what the other differences are. Thank you. Well, very interesting question. When I hear Caucasian sex, more of a kind of an urban dictionary and slang term, I heard it to be used as like a vanilla sex. So a sex that's more kind of quote unquote traditional and uh, it's it's not kind of doesn't incorporate elements of kinkiness. I love that you talked about culture because we are doing a very exciting series on uh, sexuality around the globe. And we're specifically talking about different cultures and how they experience sex. And I want to invite the researchers that they've done research on different population. So definitely stay tuned for that. If you guys have a kind of like different understanding of what Caucasian sex means, please share it with us. You can record it, your answer at sexologypodcast.com so we can replay it. Anyhow, these were all the questions for today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you got a question, please uh, record your question or email them to me and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.